You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Screen Heroes, your movie and TV podcast on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am your regular host, Derek, and I have my two lovely co-hosts with me, Ryan. Hi. And Ray. Hey. Hi, guys. How's it going? Fine. Great, Derek. Thanks for asking. How's it going with you? Oh, it's fine. It's going just fine. Uh, this week on the show, we will be talking more bad movie reviews with the 1995 classic Mortal Kombat, the live action movie adaptation of the video game. Um, I guess, according to the credits, specifically the Mortal Kombat 3 video game, which I never noticed before. But before we get to that conversation, we, of course, have our news segment, which will probably be dominated by DC News, as there's quite a bit of different things happening in the world of Warner Brothers and HBO Max. Um, To just get, like, the easy stuff out of the way, HBO Max launches this week. uh, Tomorrow, if you're listening to us live, and yesterday, if you're listening to us on the day we come out on the normal streams. Um, HBO Max, we got a small look at what it will look like when it launches on the 27th of May. Uh, Any thoughts, guys, on the UI interface? I didn't Didn't. actually look. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't look at it either because I don't really care. I clicked on it and I noticed that they used pretty colors for their logo. So, you know, that's always a plus, but that's about it. Okay. I didn't well, think we'd actually be discussing what the UI of the streaming service looks like, so we, I didn't pay much attention. We talked about it with Disney Plus, so I just figured fair is fair, and we would talk about it with this. Uh, and Ray mentioned the colors in our private chat, so I thought I thought there were opinions. But uh, long story short, it looks pretty much like Disney Plus and Netflix at this point. Those three services all look very similar nowadays Uh, it's pretty streamlined it will be available on both xbox and ps4 on day one which is nice uh, because that has not been the case for services like dc universe uh, apple plus tv or apple tv plus excuse me um, and a few a few other services so uh, that's good at least Um, in dc related news doom patrol as we've mentioned is going to be dual released on HBO Max and DC Universe, but at this time, it is the only DC Universe show that is moving over to HBO Max. At this time, Titans, which has been renewed for season three, will not be moving over. Of course, things could always change, but uh, I think you guys know where I stand on this. I think that's confusing and convoluted, but do either of you have an opposing opinion? (laughs) No. no, the the DC universe is definitely convoluted. I think Doom Patrol makes sense on HBO, like just based on the content from last season. I think HBO makes a great little home for him, but it definitely doesn't make things easy. Yeah, I agree. It is definitely confusing, especially. You've got the Green Lantern show that's that's in development. There's the Justice League Dark movie or show that's that's in early development. Sure, and, sure, sure. And uh, you know they they keep talking about comparing HBO Max's DC shows to the CW, saying that the HBO Max shows will be a step up production value wise as far as budget is concerned. But they don't really talk about DC Universe. It's it's strange. DC Universe has kind of been shoved to the side as this redheaded stepchild, but at the same time, they're not bringing over their flagship show, which is Titans. Mm-hmm. I think that that's super weird and very confusing. Um, I assume that could change if Doom Patrol does well on HBO Max. Maybe that will spell uh, you know the end of DCU, and that's what they're they're waiting on at this point. I don't know, but it is a little strange and confusing. Uh, of course, the, the elephant in the room is the Snyder Cut, which has been officially confirmed 
as of Wednesday last week. It is officially called Zack Snyder's Justice League and will premiere on HBO Max sometime in 2021. The uh, the reports are saying it'll either be a four-hour film or a six-episode miniseries. The budget will be originally reported between 20 and 30 million to finish it. But as of today, reports are coming in that it is well over $30 million to finish the project. Um, I've been talking a lot, so I would like you guys to tell me your thoughts and feelings on the official news nah. of the Snyder Cut. I think Rachel has some good opinions on uh, Justice League, especially the Snyder Cut. So I'd love to hear what she thinks. Rachel, would you like to share with us? You guys are jerks. Okay. <laughs> so, I want to make this very clear. I'm definitely not against it. I think this is a very odd situation. And I definitely believe that it wouldn't be happening without the pandemic. There's really not a lot of content. So this makes sense. It sets a weird precedent. I don't know how many directors will be able to go back cut things the way they want without studio interference just earlier uh today or yesterday i posted a tweet from david ayer who is uh thinking about trying this with suicide squad because the movie that came out wasn't the movie he wanted to make now that's i'm not quite sure how this is going to work i'm really not because i'm not 100 percent convinced that things will be fixed in either movie but who knows at this point if the studio interfered that badly on both of them it really could make a hell of a difference so i'm a little open-minded it's just like i've said i feel like this is not going to be the um the giant fix everybody wants it to be yeah yeah it's a it's a weird situation but and i think the worst part is that like now that fans know they're getting it uh they're starting to like add expectations more expectations like now we can get a batfleck solo movie or a batfleck mm -hmm. uh hbo max miniseries it's like that's not gonna happen Right. I mean, it's, it, it's extremely unlikely. He has personal problems that stopped, that kept him from wanting to continue the character um, beyond the studio interference, which was a huge problem for him. But uh, what I think the, the funniest part of this whole thing would be is if Zack Snyder's movie comes out and it's way better than what they got from the for, for the actual theatrical release. And then David Ayer does the same thing and it's way better. And it just shows that all the Warner Brothers decisions were the wrong decisions. Mm -hmm. I think that would be hilarious. I don't I necessarily think, see that happening, but. I think that is like literally the best case scenario we can ask for. And ideally that's what I want. I want this to be completely worth my time watching and I want to be able to enjoy it. And I, I'd love to look back and be like, yes, we all knew DC was like sucking it up at the studio level. So now we have even more proof of that. Derek, you should be happy too. Cause there's reports that there's three green lanterns in Zack Snyder's <laughs> justice league. Well, well, and there's there's our rumors that they're using it to launch uh, the Green Lantern for the solo series as well, which may be a bit of a stretch. I don't necessarily believe that one, but well, there, there's a lot to unpack here, right? Based on what you guys have said, you know, I'm I'm with you guys mostly on, on all of that. Uh, I think that expectation setting is important. I think at the end of the day, it's still a movie, and we we are familiar with Snyder's style and the way that he handles things like. Watchmen and 300 and Man of Steel, uh, which, you know, we've seen his visions of for the most part. Um, there are a lot of people who are talking about how this is setting a bad precedent and it's allowing fans to push studios around. And I think that those those opinions, I think, are missing the point in the context here. This is not a normal situation. Uh, this is not just the studio taking over somebody's cut, which is kind of the case in David Ayer's situation with the Suicide Squad. This is a case where Snyder's film would have been a different film if he had stayed on to finish the film. 
most of what we got are not editing decisions. They are actual completely new scenes and new stories and new arcs that we didn't put into the film. Um, that's why there's all those comparisons about what we saw in the original trailers versus what's in the theatrical cut where the entire storyline of that, uh, that family by the, the wasteland and the big battle, none of that existed in uh, Snyder's original version. Just as an example, all of uh, cyborg story got completely redone in Whedon's version. I think that there needs to be a separation of a director's cut and what this is. I don't see this as, I mean, don't get me wrong. At the end of the day, it will be definition wise, a director's cut because it's Snyder's version of the film, but the theatrical version is Whedon's film Mm -hmm. more than it is Snyder's film. Um, And that's a weird situation. That's a very rare thing. Right. It, it's big news when a director is replaced during production. Um, it's sometimes even big news when they're replaced prior to production, even starting. So this is not a normal studio, you know, strong arming the editing process. I think by saying that fans are bullying DC and Warner Brothers, it, it's very hyperbolic. And it's it, it's also a little reductive because, you know, they're not taking in the entire scope of the situation it's very likely that without the pandemic we wouldn't have gotten this at all and uh like everything went badly for this film so this is a chance to make more money out of something that did so poorly i think in the end if it proves anything it's not going to be that fans have more control I think it's going to be studios need to back off. I agree with you. And I think that that may be the precedent that's important here because there have been a lot of times where we see a director's cut and it had to, and it's better than the theatrical cut because of studios involvement. Mm -hmm. And we've discussed how terrible some of the films uh, in the MCU during phase two uh, is basically because of studio interference by not letting the directors do what they want. Yeah, I, I think that's a great example. It's a great comparison. And I I think it's important that fan opinion matter as well, because at the end of the day, who's seeing the movie, right? The fans. And mm-hmm. there is no movie if fans don't go see it, right? It's still a product. And so this idea that somehow doing what the fans want is bad seems kind of backwards to me. Cause if you don't do what they want, then they just don't go see the movie and then you're not making any more movies. Um, you, the goal is to do what makes fans happy in general. Right. Is, yeah. and I feel yeah. like that's, that's the concept. And the pandemic point you're bringing up is also really interesting. While conversations for this apparently started over 14 months ago, um, I think it is a perfect storm scenario where movies are not really in production right now. And while post-production work has, has been going on remotely, a lot of those studios have started to dry up. Um, that's, that's even uh, been stated. And so this gives people work. This is actually employing people and giving them a job to do in an industry that's basically stalled right now. So that is a positive at the same time. HBO or Warner brothers, excuse me, is trying to launch a streaming service in a very crowded and competitive field that Netflix, Disney and Hulu are really dominating in. Um, They need content. And while friends of course is going to be a a big hit and uh, uh, South park will be a big hit. They need something that is new and fresh and big. And this has been such a kind of, viral concept that it'll at least get people to sign up to check it out when it, when it drops, I would think it will, unless Zack Snyder has revealed everything that's going to be in it. <laughs> his Vero, which seems yes. potentially, you know, a problem. I mean, can yeah. we talk, can we talk about how he's single-handedly keeping that social media platform alive? <laughs> it is kind of crazy. Basically. I... He's the only reason why anybody signs up on there anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, I I will say that 
fandom nowadays can get very toxic and i think a lot of us are really leery about this at least the three of us because the justice league people the people who have been asking for the snyder cut have been incredibly crude and loud and just all around bullies to quite a few people so that i think that's what is the only thing souring this for me I think it's important to note that it's not, I mean, it's some, a very small percentage of them are very, being very bullying. There's a lot of them that are raising, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for, I I don't remember the charity, but a charity that Zack Snyder and his wife support that relates to his daughter's suicide and her depression. Right. Um, A lot of people took it really personally because of how it all went down. I, I for one, don't appreciate how he was treated because I, I feel like, he was going through something truly horrible that I hope that nobody ever really has to go through. Um, And maybe that meant the movie would have had to have been delayed for him to finish it. And the studio wasn't happy with that decision, but there is a human element in, in all of this. And I think the fact that on the outside, it appeared like his tragedy was being scapegoated to push him out of the movie. Um, that just looked bad to a lot of people, whether it's true or not, because we're not in those rooms. We don't know the details, but that's how it appeared to a lot of people. And let's be honest, DC fans, myself included, have gotten kind of defensive over the last few years. It has been very difficult to be a DC fan. Uh, and you know, since, since you know, BVS dropped, it has been very difficult to be a DC fan in this atmosphere. And so some people have gotten overly defensive. But they're not the, the they're not the majority of people out there. I don't think. Makes sense. Um, so, of all the stuff that you've heard, you know, he's he's shown photos of of Adam, and there's been talks about the lanterns and Martian Manhunter, and and all this. Like, I mean, so so much more than could ever possibly show up in this. Uh, what is something that you'd like to see that you think is realistic? I think they haven't, he hasn't revealed much about the Superman in the rebirth suit or whatever it is, the black uh, suit, other than some like random teases. But, you know, as people talked about how it was uh, Henry Cavill, like with a full mullet and long beard. And I think that would be really cool if a final battle was including Superman in his black suit. I think that would be pretty neat. Very different from what we've seen before. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I would personally like to see the Flash and Cyborg actually serve a purpose. <laughs> Is yeah. In the cut that we've already seen, they they were not important. They were window dressing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even Batman didn't really serve too much of a purpose. So it would just be nice to get a little bit of story behind them because every cartoon we've seen so far they've been valued members of the team who all mm-hmm. bring unique and uh necessary power sets to the table yeah i'm with you i was gonna say cyborg specifically i want to see his story uh, he has it's a very tragic story it's it's dark and it's gritty and uh he's a really cool and interesting character that gets completely thrown to the side. I mean, at least with the flash, he's had a TV show, right? So most people know who the flash is in some context, you know, but cyborg is a much lesser known character. If you, if you don't read the comics and you haven't watched the cartoons, you probably don't know who he is. And so I'd love to see the original plans for his story. As long and as I'll... they fix the booyah. Jesus Christ. That was cringy. In all fairness, the flash has had two TV shows. So he's, You're right. you know, familiar in multiple generations yep yeah no you're absolutely right yeah um i mean cyborg I, has been in multiple card multiple tv shows mm-hmm. too so well, it's kind of, if you're action, comparing tv but... to tv then yeah sure i mean the, the only live action cyborg that we have other than this than ray fisher's is on doom patrol no not true oh he my was god in, uh, smallville. smallville i forgot also. about smallville so he's actually been in more shows than the flash <laughs> no the flash is on smallville Oh yeah. Well, was it the Flash though? He was I mean, never called that. I don't think. Oh, okay. Well, he's never called Superman, is he? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, the point is, <laughs> this. <laughs> Sorry, Rachel. This cyborg was pretty bad, to be honest. He's the only cyborg I've seen that didn't have any sort of personality. Yeah. Also, he just looked like Megatron. I didn't mind the Megatron look. Uh, Like, I, in my opinion, the more machine to him, the better. But sure, I just guess I just prefer the more like RoboCop plate look rather than like a bazillion moving parts inside of him. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Um. So, do you guys have a preference on how it's delivered? Do you want it as a four-hour film or do you want it as a six-episode miniseries? Do you well, it's have funny you should, you should ask this, Derek. I posted a poll in the Screen Heroes group on Facebook, which I'm sure everybody that's listening to this is a part of. I don't remember what the results were, but I definitely know what Rachel's <laughs> answer was. Because... I'm going to watch it no matter what, so it doesn't matter to me. Okay, yeah. Well, tell you, the way the, the thing was worded that I posted was you could vote for I don't care, uh, four-hour miniseries or six-episode or four-hour movie, six-episode miniseries, and Rachel voted, I don't care. So it was uh, funny to me because that makes it sound like she has no shits to give about it. But in reality, she's just going to watch it either way. Exactly. And I have shits have to give. She probably doesn't have too many shits to give about it, really. I mean, I feel like just based on our conversation, I have less than you two, but <laughs> I'm still going to watch it. Right. Well, we'll make you. It's part of the job. If I've had to watch some of the shit that you guys want me to watch, then, you know. Yeah, wow. it's those. true. It's totally true. Yeah, well, I, I was just curious if you got to pick if you if it mattered, you know, um, I, I, I voted. I, I don't remember what I voted for, but I don't think I care that much. Honestly, I, I will consume it either way. Four hours is a long ass fucking movie, though. I'll be honest with you. Well, that was kind of my thought. I was thinking, like, if it's designed to be a six episode miniseries and there are nice breaks. I kind of like that idea that I can watch an hour and then take a break and grab some food or, or whatever, and then come back for another hour, a four hour film. You know, it's hard to know like when's a good time to pause it. Right. Right. But I also yeah. want it to be his original vision. His original vision was probably a four hour movie. So mm-hmm. it makes right. it even more tough. It does. It absolutely does. And you know, it's, it's a tough thing because the original plan way back when was that there was going to be a two part, justice league film right and that gets us a lot closer to that four hour mark if each part is two hours then there you go so then the question is you know is this really allowing him to make that two-part epic so to speak that he originally had planned yeah i don't know i i mean if this is well received will we get a justice league part two you know is that a possibility I I don't know. I mean, I they'd they'd have you to. You just re- don't want to be hurt again. You just don't want to get your hopes up and be hurt again. Well, no, I, th- I think there's some logistical problems, right? I think that a Ben Affleck doesn't want to do it anymore for a lot of very good reasons that are personal to him, um, and I don't yet know, even in my own head, a good way to slot. Robert Pattinson's Batman into that. Well, then it's not Justice League Part 2. It's just it's a complete reboot, right? No, you do Flashpoint (laughs) the Flash movie, and then Justice League Part 2 is a... Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, look, it's comic books, right? So anything is certainly (laughs) possible. They could do pretty much anything. My my hope, my hope for this is that it is well-received, and it gives Henry Cavill a resurgence and a second chance to come back as Superman. I know Ben Affleck's done and I completely respect that. That's his decision, but Henry Cavill wants to be Superman and he's a wonderful Superman. And this might give us an opportunity for a man of steel two, or to really have him on screen with Shazam, uh, which would just be incredible because I think the two of them would have an amazing dynamic. I I just, I want to see that. And this is the best chance we have of getting to that point. I mean, realistically, Zack Snyder could bring in Shazam for this re-edit. I mean, I don't know that he would, but that would be pretty cool. I wouldn't expect anything more than a post-credit scene because you have I'd, to. You know, I'd be okay with that. Honestly. <laughs> I just want to see him with the rest of the league. But that's the thing. Like, I don't know how you do that well without having reshoots with the whole main cast. And that's true. I, I know that there's been some talk that that's been a, a straight no on the table. I, I don't think they have an answer yet because I think it's logistically incredibly difficult to figure out how to get all of these actors together when most of them have moved on to other things at this point, you know, yeah, gal is still wonder woman and she, there's plans for a third film for her, but you know, Ben Affleck has moved on and um, Henry Cavill is, is doing, you know, season two of the Witcher, you know, so I, logistically getting them all back together and 
the ones that need to be in the physical shape they need to be in. It's just a difficult, it's a difficult thing to pull off. It's true. You guys want to talk about Mortal Kombat or what? Well, sure. Is there, there's no other news that you'd like to cover this week? It's 831. Do you want to talk about what we're here to talk about? Otherwise, right. I watched that movie for nothing. All right. All right. Yeah, and I'm going to be mad if, we do, if I watch that movie for nothing. Right? But then we will take a short break. And when we come back, ma- uh, bad movie reviews will continue with Mortal Kombat from 1995. And we're back. Uh, this uh, week, we are doing more bad movie reviews, like we said earlier. It's Mortal Kombat from 1995, the live-action adaptation of the video game franchise. Uh, Ray, I believe you put this one on the list. Is that... I did, yeah. yeah. Was absolutely. this in response to me putting Street Fighter on the list last year? No. <laughs> no. I... I fully admit I had nostalgia glasses for this one. I totally thought it was a pretty good movie. So I was like, why would it get a sequel if it was bad? And then, you know, 10 minutes into it, I'm like, no, 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 make it stop. So, yeah. Well, I just want to point out that The year before, 1994, is when the Street Fighter movie came out. IMDb has it at a 4.0 out of 10. Mortal Kombat has a 5.8. Yeah. And I think that's tragic. I think that's tragic. Okay. I mean, both of them are failures. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I get from this. I mean, you're comparing one turd to another turd, uh, you know. One might be your favorite turd, but they're still both turds in the end. Well, fun fact about 1995's Mortal Kombat that Ray brought to my attention because I never noticed before. The director, Paul W.S. Anderson, is the man behind the Resident Evil franchise of films. So there you go. He loves video games, apparently. He does, yeah. Um, All right, so let's let's do this. Let's let's talk Mortal Kombat. Must we? Yes. (laughs) i'm all right i'll be fine you're good i I mean we can start on a high note and say clearly that the theme song is actually really fantastic yeah that i get triggered whenever i hear it (laughs) basically like okay so it's i don't know how much i brought this up on the podcast before but i used to do martial arts and when i was competing was around the time i started competing right around the time this movie came out and so literally anybody that did like they had kata that you did which was like a series of of movements literally anybody that did like a musical kata was doing it to this song and you would hear it like 30 times in a day (laughs) and you know it was cool like the first three and then after that it just got really annoying and i can only imagine being the judges that had to judge between 30 different people doing the thing to the same song but anyway yeah, because of that, it's triggering to me. Also, fun fact, I watched Robin Shu or Shao, however you pronounce it, uh, compete. He was the guy that played Liu Kang, compete at one of the tournaments that I was at one time. And oh, that's cool. He seemed like a really cool guy and a very talented martial artist. That is cool. Yeah. He absolutely was uh, very talented in this. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that. Trust me. I have yeah. so many thoughts. Well, yes. well, just so you both know, this movie was a monster success. On a budget of eighteen million dollars, it brought in a hundred and twenty-two point one million. There must have been nothing that came out this year <laughs> to where this movie could just run straight for a year. Uh, I mean, that's its worldwide box office, but still, that's just pretty good. Uh, there was, of course, a sequel, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and two spin-off television series based on that success. Okay, fun facts. Yeah, there you go, Mortal Kombat. Um, all right, so let's. Where, where would you guys like to start? Well, we started already with the song, which is exactly how it opens, and it's a very strong opening for a movie. I, I miss the days. I say this constantly. I miss the days of themed movie songs, like or TV they, show. Really? Yeah, they need to happen. I need them so much. Yes. I mean, sometimes the theme songs were better than the movie or TV show, which is probably the case here. Mm-hmm. 
I will say that the casting for the most part is pretty good here. You think so? Like I <laughs> I mean Robin's fine, but <laughs> Rob- <laughs> yes, Robin Shu is pretty great as Liu Kang and like as a martial artist and as an actor, he he really delivers that. Um and then uh Carrie Hiroki Hiroki I can't say his name. Tagawa uh as Shang Tsung like he is Shang Tsung. He is since then he got hired immediately because he showed up to his audition in costume. Nice. He was the first one cast and he has been the face model for Shang Tsung since. Like Good for him. He is everybody's Shang Tsung. So I I think that casting was great. Uh, I think Lyndon Ashby, who did Johnny Cage, is probably the best they were going to get at that time. <laughs> and I don't think he was bad. I think he played Johnny Cage very well. I think it was the women who were pretty poorly cast. Bridget Wilson and Talisa Soto and Sonia and Katana. They, they were pretty ridiculous. They're not good. But I think the worst casting in the movie is Raiden. I think Christopher Lambert is ridiculous. No, I thought he was the Raiden. best casting of the movie. In, a, in an, <laughs> an ironic way? Or? No, I loved it. It was, really? it was, here's the thing, okay? <laughs> and yeah, this movie is bad. I'm not going to, not going to sugarcoat this here, but it was also charming. There were some very charming things to it. And, you know, I, I, remembered what the things I liked about it was when I watched it as a kid when I was rewatching it but I could also see the things that I should have hated um but he the whole thing is the whole concept is super cheesy and ridiculous and over the top so why I mean the theme song the thing you start out with is one of the most over the top and ridiculous theme songs ever in anything so why not have uh Christopher Lambert be Raiden as this over the top like schlocky kind of I don't know even how to describe it but I I he leaned into it and I I don't put it on the level as like M Bison right <laughs> but it was it was the M Bison of this movie it was the standout performance in my opinion real I mean I I felt like most of his lines were being delivered like he was asking if that was his line which was great. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Fantastic. It was fine for me. I I had no problem with it. Like I said, that's my favorite casting. I don't know why when people play gods, they like whisper yell. <laughs> like like all he did was whisper yell, and it was so weird. That's fair. Yeah. Um, of course, we have some other other casting that's totally irrelevant, which are the people behind the face masks of Sub Zero and Reptile. And yeah, they Scorpion. do not even matter. Not even at all. They could be the exact same guy for all I know. I didn't look that closely. So. <laughs> There's some other casting that I want to touch on. Oh, okay. The random Shang Tsung thugs. <laughs> because watching it, I was paying attention. And they have, like, their show thugs, which are the guys with, like, the six-pack abs and, like, the pecs and, like, all oiled up and chiseled yeah. looking. The Those front are all the guys right in the front. Yeah. They're like, when you have a car dealership, you put the pretty cars out front and then everything else <laughs> in the back. Then if you look to the side a little bit, like, there's this guy with, like, a beer gut and, like, man boobs that's, like, got the same face covering and everything else. Yeah. But he's also oiled up. Well, and he's so, probably the chef. I mean, someone has to be the know, chef. Man. But it's just funny if you like look off to the side or like in the back a little bit. Also, there's one fight scene, the one where Goro fights Johnny Cage. I think it is, or it might be when the other guy fights fights Goro. But there's like a random guy in flannel just like <laughs> hanging out. Oh, I missed that. How did you really? I oh, totally missed God. it. Yeah. It was so obvious when I was watching. Oh. He's like wearing red and black checkered flannel and just like in jeans, just like hanging out. He wasn't and supposed like, to be in the shot. I don't know, but he was in multiple shots. It wasn't like an accident. So I'm wondering if they were just like, ah, fuck it. He's just another fighter in the Mortal Kombat. 
like flannel guy. I don't remember him from any of the games. Like, He's one of Anderson's buddies. He's just like, go be in the movie. Like, it's fine. There, oh my god, the background paying attention to the backgrounds in this movie gave me so much pleasure. <laughs> Ryan, like, I feel like it's it's 2020 and you need to be more body positive. I listen, people can have whatever body they want and if they're happy then I'm happy for them. It's just really funny that like all the thugs that they wanted to show were these super like chiseled guys and then they like stuck these other guys over to the side. I felt so bad for them, but it was hilarious. Now the other character we haven't really focused on is Goro, which is a more complicated conversation because he's mostly animatronic work. Yes, actually pretty decent practical effects for 1995, I thought. It was definitely better than the CGI effects in this movie. I definitely think that his animatronics would have worked really well in something that was like more of like a horror movie. Uh, And just the way it moved and the way it looked. I thought it was pretty, pretty freaking sophisticated given the situation, but it just, it stood out as it's just not fitting with the rest of the tone. Did you so, guys get that? Yeah, I mean, definitely. For sure. Um, the the funny thing about Goro was, I mean, I don't know, over the past few years when I've gotten more into like movie special effects and stuff, uh, there's been some videos of like the behind the scenes of testing with Goro and stuff. And if you aren't familiar, he was like, it was a person wearing a top upper half. So mm-hmm. like the legs and the lower... Um, the like lower set of arms was a person but mm-hmm. the upper half was all animatronic and it had like a thousand animatronic different animatronic pieces in it and they were constantly breaking so goro was like the biggest diva on the set apparently because they could <laughs> never get him working long enough to actually shoot stuff mm. then yeah. it's even more surprising of how many scenes he was in like you'd think that uh he would be used a lot less yeah they really like made a point to use him the scene with kano they could have easily Mm -hmm. just done him like him sitting in the shadows or something but they had him get all up in kano's face yeah i mean because all that is is an exposition scene and if you're having a hard time just cut that right yeah Yeah, exactly you know and that's okay so that's one thing i appreciated about this movie is that it didn't even bother trying to come up with like a cohesive story here. They're like, look, this is a fighting video game. The characters have to fight each other. So we're just going to have a fighting tournament so they can do that. Nice and clean. And it's the 10th year, (laughs) which you have to win 10 times in a row. Right. Was that even, was that part in the video game? Because otherwise none of the Mortal Kombat video games up until 10 would have mattered. No, the taking over earth and everything like that's not right. really in the video I th- game I thought that was like well maybe in the later games that was yeah thing, but like i don't remember by mortal kombat 3 them saying you had to win the tournament 10 times like who's keeping track is it 10 uh, different generations because that's a long fucking time it is a long time i think it's every it's year fight. well no they say it's once a generation don't they yes they in the movie i thought they said that they did because that, that's the whole point is that um you know, uh, Kang is a descendant, right? And so his his ancestor was a champion in that in the last Mortal Kombat. Yeah, that's right. But I, was I mean, his brother literally fights in the tournament, and then was that like, the tournament? I thought that was just a fight. Yeah, that was just like Luke or uh, Shang Tsung just showing up to like fuck up his brother and make Luke <laughs> Kang fight. I thought. Right? I was get that... okay. I always thought it was a tournament, and then like the next day, Liu Kang goes and fights in another tournament. <laughs> like so. They do it every other Wednesday, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, that's 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 why so few people watch our show live because they're actually doing the tournament Tuesday. Yeah, nights. exactly. Yeah, that makes that's sense. What it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. One thing I want to talk about is the sets for okay. this movie. Okay. Because. It stood out to me so much now, and I never noticed it as a kid. But, like, it started for me with the boat, right? Yeah. And they're on the boat, and they have the conversation with Raiden, like, out on the the bow or whatever you would call it for the boat. Yes. It's – if you watch the background, like, they don't even try. It's literally just, like, a fog machine making fog all around the edge of the boat at boat level, like, at the level of the <laughs> – 
floor of the boat all around the edges of the boat and it like leaks onto the boat right right so so apparently this is like how far does a boat sit above the water like depends on the boat 50 feet (laughs) this fog like is so tall and thick that it creeps over they just didn't have the budget for water or anything (laughs) this boat oh my god it was so bad like they didn't have any budget for water because in the very next shot, the boat, you have a wide shot and the boat has CGI sails. Right. Right. Yes. But then like, Eric paused it and it would be like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, well, I, I wish you guys would have noticed the fog on the boat because it was so bad. It, yeah. I'm that was like, like crying talking about this movie. Yeah. That was a bar mitzvah smoke machine. It was, that they used. And they used it for every fucking set too. Like everything. There, there, there was only like five sets in this movie. And one of them was like this crossroads in the middle of the temple or whatever, I guess. And they mm-hmm. keep walking through the same area. <laughs> because they can't afford to build another set. And then they have, like, fog, the same fog machine going and spilling shit all over the set. I mean, it was unbelievable. I'm seriously, like, watery eyes right now from laughing, remembering this, because it was so bad. But I never noticed any of this crap as a kid, which is fine. Oh, no. That's what the movie was made for. Right. Oh, my God. And that's the thing for me. I think I'd only seen it once as a kid. What would you say the budget was for this? Eighteen million. Oh All my right. god! What did they spend that on? Like, I imagine the CGI. reptile, the, the CGI, the animatronics for Goro, and there's a lot of extras. Like they had to pay a lot of people in this movie. <laughs> like all the all the muscle. You know, like there's just, there's a oh, lot of people, boy. and some of the sets, like don't get me wrong, the sets have a lot of problems, but they are fairly large sets. The ones they do have, yeah, like the boat wasn't really, but like though, yeah, there's the set with like Scorpion and, uh, um, yeah, that even that one temple set that I'm making fun of, it the set itself was actually really good. It was just the fact that they used it for like 20 different shots. It was yeah. just large, you know. And they they had the big dining room that Kano was in, right? That we were talking about. Then they have the giant like walled in roadway when when they go to the other planet that they have to walk down and like it's just it's huge it's a giant set Mm -hmm. and i think that's part of the problem is they had these grandiose ideas for the scale of these locations and rather than try and use the photography to to make it seem bigger than it is they just built these big (laughs) big well they did use a lot of like cgi backgrounds and stuff like that which i thought were actually was actually some of the best cgi in the movie in a lot of cases the background but, uh, stuff I thought was fine. It's it's anything that had to move that was mm-hmm. really a problem, right? right? And so that's like what Rachel brought up, which is reptile. <laughs> reptile. Reptile. I don't remember that shit from the video games either. Which <laughs> me off as, I remember even as a kid, reptile was my favorite. And to like make him an actual reptile, well, like pissed uh, me off. Outside of the. Uh, mask he's supposed to look like a reptile but like like a humanoid reptile yeah exactly like a gorn (laughs) right not like uh not like a tiny little like lizard thing that you don't really know what it is so it poses an interesting question so what happens is like we have this terrible cgi iguana that falls inside of this weird dead like stone body and that's what morphs him into what reptile normally looks like so i guess that means scorpion is just a scorpion but what is Sub Zero then? Is he like a sentient ice being or something? Let's not get into <laughs> what this means. Like, what are you doing, dude? Uh, so I actually read a lot about Reptile because he doesn't seem to fit the rest of the film. And I realized that every time he was in, it was like a weird add in, like reshoot kind of thing. It wasn't. Uh, connecting with any other shots so I looked into it they had zero idea that they were going to have reptile even in the movie but since they killed off scorpion and sub-zero very early test audiences wanted more fights so they added reptile and they brought back uh, Robin Shu to uh, fight him and during the fights 
neither the director nor Robin had any idea what he was going to look like. So Robin just fought nothing. And the CGI team had to create the, the reptile CGI thing. So yeah, you're, you're talking about, yeah, the specifically the animal. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah, you yeah could tell he... when he was like grabbing this thing, and he was like just going like this and shaking his hands around. Yep. So he totally was fighting a real person, actually, as reptile. But that explains why Johnny Cage didn't help him out at all with yeah, that. That's actually something we commented on. Like there was this. I was like, was it like Johnny Cage just picking his nose off to the side? Or something? <laughs> I, we talked about that. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. It's funny that you bring that up because, yeah, I definitely <laughs> noticed that. Oh, yeah, that was very noticeable. And very. So while we're, while we're talking about the ninjas, Scorpion, okay? The Scorpion fight. Yeah. Somehow there's a breach in space-time made that pulls... First of all, the first part of the fight where it's in the forest was really cool, mm-hmm. I thought. The, the scenery was beautiful. It was a neat, interesting shot. But then they get... They, somehow Scorpion can break the fabric of space-time. And take him to hell or whatever this place was. It's like the nether realm itself. Sure. Yeah. yeah. In in the in lore, I'm sure that's what it is, something like that. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they fight down there, right? And eventually, there's this convenient shield, and Johnny Cage beats him. I I couldn't figure out. It just skips over this completely. How the fuck Johnny Cage got back? from the nether realm <laughs> to Mortal Kombat because like it shows him kill the guy and the guy like burn up or whatever and then it's just back to the temple and everybody's fine one does not simply walk to the temple is that right, what you're saying like, was it in another room and the breach of space time was just like an elevator or something yeah that yes. just takes you to the den they were fighting right. in the den right yes yeah. this it is amazing uh, I mean, I get why they did that because it was like a video game homage. I'm sure that was like Scorpion's level or whatever looked like yes. that. But, but well, because he's context, undead. Yeah, in the context of the movie, it was just a little weird. How did he get back? He's just a dude, <laughs> and I, I like Johnny Cage in this movie because he's the only one that seems shocked by anything. <laughs> he's like, this guy just showed up and turned into like electricity, and like he's made of electricity. Why doesn't anybody else think this is weird? It's like, raining, bro. <laughs> You well, know? like, at least, like, Liu Kang is, like, he's he already knows about all of this. Yeah. Even if he's not, like, truly right. sold so on it. Right, so it's okay with him. But, like, but, like Sonya? Sonya is, like, she she goes from being, like, a copper military-type person to just being on board with, yep, let's fight this four-armed monster, dude. It's going to be fine. Okay, can we talk about Sonya for a second? Yes, please. Well, b- b- she... Before we do that, okay, sure. we skipped over the CGI on Scorpion, which I just wanted to mention is the weirdest and just just totally terrible how they didn't come up with some way to do that practically i don't know that was not good but i mean they spent all their practical budget on goro i'm sure and trying to keep him running for the seven scenes he was in so does it come out of his hands in the game yes i always just thought it was like up his sleeve or something you know i'm pretty sure it's out of his hands that's strange where does it exist also, before we finish talking about Johnny Cage, did anybody else think it was weird that, like, during the... So, it shows, like, a hundred scenes of Goro killing people. Yeah. Right? But then when Johnny Cage goes out, or when the other guy, the the black guy, what was his name? Art. Art. It's Art Lean or something like that. Yeah. yeah. When he goes out to fight this guy, he has, like, no idea what he's up against, and he's super surprised. I thought that was a little weird since they just showed like a hundred dudes get killed by Goro. I'm pretty sure yeah. everybody there and everybody's around watching all these fights. So how did he not know he's fighting a eight foot tall or nine foot tall four armed prince? I don't know. Okay. That's, it seemed a little weird to me, but he was supposed to be a fucking Kung Lao too. Like I have Artworks? no idea. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's what the uh, Wikipedia said. And weird. Like in what world? Yeah, I don't see that. He's barely in it. I didn't even catch his name. And then the they basically have him in the movie to die, so that way a character we know gets beat by Goro is really all right. And then Johnny's fueled to go punch him in the gonads. And then like that man, that is so anticlimactic, right? They build up Goro to be this amazing champion, and then yeah, so he gets hit. He gets hit in the nuts, and that's uh, funny. And then. Yeah, he 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 falls off a ledge. 
I think it's very bold of Johnny to assume that a creature like that has similar genitalia to him. It's true. <laughs> it's true. You know, just on this earth, in this realm, there's not a lot of creatures that have similar genitalia to us. But a humanoid with four arms that's eight feet tall definitely has a giant pecker that you can punch. <laughs> he watches a lot of Star Trek, obviously. Apparently. Clearly. Yeah. All right. So, Sonia, what do you want to okay. talk about? So I think she was, I'm going to say the worst character in this movie, but it's not like, I don't know, the right, her writing was absolutely terrible. So like just to start, you see her going through a club, right? With like yeah. a, a shotgun that's half her size. It's comically large and nobody cares, right? There's like this whole SWAT team going through a rave and nobody cares that they just got butted in the head with a shotgun because she's trying to get them out of the way. And then she goes up to this glass and just blasts this guy, and nobody even stops at the rave. They just keep going, and she's, like, questioning the dude, but there's, like, dancing in the background. It's like, nobody even cares. This dude just got gunned down. Yep. And then the whole Kano thing is just really creepy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. her. I mean, it's it's weird in the video games. But mm-hmm. it goes downhill throughout the whole movie. Cause then by the end of the movie, you know, Sung's got like some big master plan for her. And I still don't know why, what makes her special. Yeah. Like her and, jo- really covered. and Johnny Cage. Like, I don't really know why either of these are special fighters. Neither of them do anything extraordinary at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I think her worst line that I remember because it was terrible was, uh, when somebody asks her if she needs help and she says, uh, when I want backup, I'll radio for it. It's like, man, somebody wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> somebody got paid more than any of us will make in our lifetime, maybe. And no. to, to write a line like that. The writing was rough and the characters go very quickly from, we have no idea who each other are to like best We're friends. We're best friends. Yeah. Yep. Right. Because as they're walking away at the end of the movie, you know, he jo- Johnny puts his arm around Sonia and they're all like, ho- like holding handy. You know, also, like she got turned into a damsel in the end, which yeah. was really disappointing. Oh, God. Yeah. And Sonia somehow, has never been that in the games. Somehow. I mean, I don't know if Shang Tsung is like a hairdresser or something, but he like completely spent 30 minutes uh, <laughs> floofing up her hair and like teasing her hair to make it huge while she changed into this like weird suit prisoner suit yeah and got chained up i don't know what was he going to do with her it's a really good question i don't know between him and kano they kept commenting on how beautiful she was and how they wanted her alive and i'm like they're gonna touch her i don't like this yeah he had her chained up and everything i definitely believe that's what kano wanted to do i just assumed that oh. Sung didn't, he had, cause he kept talking about like she was special or something, but she never shows any superhuman abilities or even like peak human abilities. So I don't really know. Or even like mediocre human <laughs> abilities. Yeah. The choreography yeah. for her is not good. No, it um, was horrible, or, but not as bad as Katana's. Katana's was the worst yeah. in the whole movie, but Sonia's was definitely second. Katana's well, also useless. Yes. Yeah. Poor Bridget Wilson. I will say this, like all the guys insisted on doing their own stunts, but because she was cast last since Cameron Diaz was supposed to play Sonia and dropped out kind of last minute, she didn't get nearly the amount of training that the guys did. And they, uh, Lyndon Ashby got like six months and eight. Is that Johnny Cage? Yeah. It was two yeah. months because I looked it up. Two months? Okay, cool. Sorry. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, it's still longer than she got. Right. So I just, I felt really bad for her because they had to just reduce her to kicking. Yeah, and even that was very it, bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Johnny Cage, I looked up the actor because it was weird. It was, it was some of his movement looked good and then some of it looked just horrible including like basic stuff so yeah, yeah. The, the fact that you only had eight weeks to train it's not really a lot for martial arts <laughs> you're yeah. supposed to be the be- the people are saying he's the best martial artist in the world um you know it's, it, 
it's hard to know like how much of this was bad choreography versus how much of it was their abilities or you know well you can tell with him like there's certain moves that whoever was training him was like these are the show moves you got to really do these moves because they looked really good when he Mm -hmm. did them and so you know that he practiced those for like eight hours but then there's other ones that were just horrible yeah whereas like Liu kang pretty much everything he did i mean looked pretty good and with him there was a lot of bad choreography that he did his best with and you could just straight up tell that it was not good that's fair so then obviously they they save the day and everything and then at the end you get to see the emperor and it's just a really weird way to end a movie well they knew they were getting a sequel by then so they could show shao khan i mean i don't know that's a little cocky i think you know because like you basically end your movie on the big bad You've had you've had two big bads that you've dispatched fairly easily, and then you end your film on a new big bad. It's not even it's not a post credit scene or anything. It's like that's the end of the movie. Well, they yeah. didn't do a lot of post credit scenes back then. No, but movies did do them. I mean, it wasn't unheard of, but it was pretty few and far between. I don't, it didn't bother me as much. If anything, like the, the thing about the emperor was that he wasn't really there was no fleshing out you don't know any literally anything about him other than like one or two throwaway lines yeah. so i it didn't it didn't ever feel like he was really the big bad to me i thought it was more just like i, I don't know it was a setup for a second movie sure and, and nowadays it felt like it would have been a post credit scene mm-hmm. but it didn't really bother me that much i thought it was a cool like you know we're always going to be fighting you know type of deal but yeah i could see how it could bother somebody for sure i didn't have the same issue with it though mm-hmm. is there anything else you guys want to touch on as we reach the hour mark here i'm trying to remember because i had so many things i want to talk about i think i covered the majority of the stuff same that here. i wanted to it was it was i'm glad we watched it because i love i've always said that this was one of the best video game movies if not the best video game movie that we've had. And I still think that's kind of true. In 95, I mean, that's the, that's the really big thing for people to keep in mind was this movie was 25 years ago. So, I mean, it's, it's a different time. And some of those CGI effects look so shitty to us now, but back then yeah. they, they weren't, they didn't look shitty to me as a kid. And I mean, I don't know. It's, for what it was and and the time period that we were in i think that was yeah i think it's the same level as street fighter i don't know that the street fighter is so much worse that imdb's rating is making it but i think that they're about the same i enjoyed both movies as a kid and i appreciate them both in my adulthood for what they are but i'm glad we watched it hot take i think super mario brothers is better than both of those i would say that is not true but whatever (laughs) What year did Super Mario Brothers come out? Oh, no. Uh, 92, 93? Yeah. Ray, yeah, I mean, any, any final thoughts from you? 93. No. No, it, I, I apologize for putting this on the schedule. <laughs> you don't have to. Like I said, I appreciate that I got the chance to watch it again because it really opened my eyes to the shit that I missed as a kid. Yeah. I didn't think, as if Surf, Surf Ninjas didn't uh you know this one this one really did i mean really because (laughs) the stuff was so in your face you just couldn't ignore it and somehow i did right as a child so fair enough uh ray do you want to tell people what we'll be talking about next week yeah so we're going to be reviewing uh velocipastor Yes. Which is basically for Derek and Rachel because they love dinosaurs and love them. You know, I don't this movie sounds interesting enough that I'm okay with it. So Ryan loves priests. It makes sense. Ooh, that's a, <laughs> I'm not even gonna go there. I think you walked right into that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Those years of loving priests are way behind me. <laughs> All right. And with that, that's gonna close out this week's episode <laughs> of the Screen Heroes Podcast Woo. on the Heroes Podcast Network. Um, mm. you can find Ryan at Buster Props. You can find Ray at Siren Ray. I am at the Star Trek Dude. We are also at Screen Heroes Pod 
on Twitter or heroespodcast.com. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Podcast Addict, and more, or stream it right from heroespodcast.com. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to join us live Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash screen heroes. And you can chat with us during the show. Otherwise episodes come out every Thursday. Catch you guys next time. Woo. Get over here. Flawless victory. Do you know what I noticed right after this whole fucking thing is you're you're literally the picture you're using for your background has the same fucking fog machine. Yeah. Yes. Movie. Yes. Every scene. Oh my god. That's so great. I didn't get to rant about how every every single time he said flawless victory, it was never a flawless. No. Victory. Well. <laughs> Was it the first it time, one. maybe? The very first one? one. But every other time, like, it's, it's not a flawless, it's not even close to a flawless victory. Right. No. Nah.